Well, good morning. We're so glad to see you today. I told them, John Ed, that I was not preaching today. And we had a great preacher coming in that you were coming to preach. Look at the crowd we've got today. Look at that. And they're so fired up. They're excited. This will be the easiest time you ever preach to anybody. This crowd is happy to see you. We've had George this morning at 9. We've got John Ed now at 10.15. John Ed will be back tonight at 6 o'clock in here. George will be over at the traditional at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. So you want to hear George. You didn't, you didn't get to hear George today unless you came. Did anybody come to the 9 o'clock today and hear George? Anybody in this room? Okay, you have to come back tonight. Laura did. Laura was yeah, there. Yeah. She was sitting on the front row. She was so excited to hear a good sermon. So, uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but George will be here tomorrow night at 6. So I've told you, you've got to come hear both of them, okay? And if you don't, it'll go on your permanent record. I'll be watching. I'll be seeing all of you. I want you to come. Now, John Ed, come over here, John Ed. I, I've known John Ed for over 45 years, known George. John has taught me so much. Really, he has. They had church growth things at Fraser where he served. He was there for 36 years, and they managed to eke out an existence. He got there, and they had about 400 members. 36 years later, they had 9,000. So that's what some people do, you know. He did a good job. Yeah, yeah. he did a good job yeah. there. They were on TV all over the world, and people watched them online. You know, back in the day, they didn't have multiple services. You didn't have multiple sites. You had multiple services, but you didn't have, like, different sites, right? You just had one campus. He said that one in every 20 people in Montgomery, Alabama, was a member of Fraser. That's pretty good saturation, isn't it? Can you imagine what they would have done if they'd had multiple sites? I mean, they didn't do that stuff back then. But they did have multiple services for sure, and I would go and take people from the church, and I was slow. It was hard for me to learn, so I just kept going back, kept going back. And I learned so much, and really, they've been a blessing to me. I'm so glad that John, Ed, and George could come down here and that you get to experience them and get to spend some time with them. John Ed has been number one in tennis in his age group for years and years in Alabama, number three in the South. He and George, both big tennis players. But the greatest thing about John Ed, he loves the Lord, and he loves people, and he, he preaches, and he shares his faith. He, he speaks at conferences for coaches. There's so much that he does. I won't take a lot of time because I want him to have plenty now. There's your clock. It's up there on that screen <laughs> right there. Normally when I preach, they put a calendar up there, but, yeah. but you, you'll be okay. And the next service starts at noon. So the African-American congregation will be coming in. If a guy comes up here and takes your microphone, you'll know you're through. It's time to get through. It's time right. to get through. Okay. Huh? Hey, let's give him okay. a warm Woodlawn welcome. That just says the starting time. It doesn't say the ending time. You better put that up there because I could go a long time. Uh, you know, sermons are a lot like an airplane trip. Sometimes on a private plane, folks fly around, they start to land, and then just as they get down, they take off again. And, you know, sermons are like that. You can land a lot of places, but we take off. A little boy was sitting on the front row, and the preacher had been preaching much too long, and he asked his dad, he said, when's he going to be through? <laughs> Daddy looked at him and said, son, he's been through a long time. He just hadn't quit yet. <laughs> So what I want to do is get through and quit at the same time. So thank you for letting me be here. George and I have been looking forward to this. You couldn't have a better pastor than Joe Lay. He can do everything but drive. <laughs> I rode to Montgomery with him one time and rededicated my life eight times between here and Montgomery. Uh, 
but he's, he's, he's a great pastor and a great leader, and you have a great staff. And a great, so thank you for letting me be here. Uh, we're in the whole time of Lent. A man asked me just recently, he said, tell me, why is Jesus so important? Why is so much to do about Jesus? And so I began to reflect on that a bit and come up with some answers for myself. And what I've determined is that the whole idea of the Christian faith centers on Jesus. It's about him. Now, sometimes churches get off track and chase rabbits and go in a different direction. But the idea of Lent is to prepare us for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So let me ask you a question. Why is Jesus so important? What does Jesus mean to me? Let me share with you three things I've come up with, and I'm going to give you several passages of Scripture and let you walk through those. Um, by the way, one of the things that uh, when I retired, you know, we have mandatory retirement at 70. We started a leadership ministry, and about five or six years ago, that thing changed a little bit to using the Internet digital ministry. I learned something. You can go a lot of places and speak to folks, but if you can get the right thing on the digital ministry, today we're reaching about 80,000 people a week. Now, that's a lot of folks. Every day I do a 58-second uh, devotional thought. It's on radio stations, but you can get it on Instagram and Facebook and other things. I've got some of these little cards. There'll be some up here and at the back if you'd like to see how you can sign up. And if you don't have a grandchild living at home, you might need one of these. It'll show you how you can do it and do it uh, easily. I, I do a video every day at 10 o'clock, uh, good news. I do a blog every week. And if you'd like to access any of those, there's a QR code. Joe, I'll tell you what that is a little bit later, and you cannot do that. And if you'd like to pick one of these up, the good thing about the digital ministry is if you don't like it, you just press one button, and it's gone. <laughs> now, you can't stop me until a few minutes later, but you can do that. So if you'd like one of these, I would encourage you to get that and follow along. Um, every day I try to just focus on speaking mainly to unchurched people. I do about, these are on about six or seven radio stations, and they're all secular stations. I'm not on any religious stations, secular. I believe we need to be reaching folks who are out in the world of a different culture, and they don't go to church anywhere. So let me just share with you what Jesus means to me and what difference does he make. Three simple things I'd like to say. The first thing about Jesus is that he shifts my past. He shifts my past. Say that phrase with me. Shifts my past. Say it again. You see, the Bible teaches that each of us has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're, we're sinners. Now, there's only way you can deal with sin, only one, and that's through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And what he wants to do is to shift us from sin to salvation. Uh, write down Revelation 1.5. All glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by the shedding of his blood for our sin. He shifts us from sin to salvation. Now, you go, a lot of people say, well, hey, sin's not so important. And there's a lot of ways you can get rid of it. They're lying to you. The Bible, Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And it's through Jesus that we receive forgiveness of our sins. I, I see it so much in my ministry. 
I've got a man who serves on my board. He went to Auburn, and they said he was the smartest man ever to attend Auburn. Brilliant. And when he came out, he was operating a huge business, and he began to drink a little bit and began to drink more and more and to use other things, and all of a sudden, he became addicted. And all of a sudden, while everybody said he's so smart, he said, I'm not very smart. I've fallen prey to an addiction to alcohol and some drugs. And he said, I want to do something about it. And he tried some different philosophies. Nothing worked. One day his wife dragged him to church. And he just, something, God spoke to him. He started watching us on television. He called me. We became good friends. And finally one day he just said, I've reached the end. This is it. I've got to do something. I said, let me tell you what you need to do is surrender your life to Jesus. He, he can save you from your sins. He can take you out of that addiction. I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but I don't care what you are addicted to. God can break the chains of any addiction. And Ken Love knelt down, confessed his sins, received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And today he's one of the most vibrant Christians that you'll ever meet. In fact, he's studying because he does ministry, speaks in prison, speaks everywhere. Now, Ken Love will tell you, only Jesus can shift you from sin to salvation. Also, if you look at 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he shifts us from an old person to a new person. Now, old is not in age. That's the original person. But he shifts us to a new person. Uh, he says, for in Christ, all things are new. The old has passed away, and the new has come. Now, I have a lot of folks that come to me and say, John Ed, uh, I just need to be a little better. Now, don't you listen to me very carefully. Please don't misquote me. Jesus didn't come to make us better. He came to make us new. Now, when he makes us new, we are better. But a lot of folks don't want to follow Jesus. They just want to be a little better. They want to improve a little bit. Jesus isn't interested in just improving us a little bit. He's interested in transforming us into an entirely new creature. In fact, Jesus used two examples of that. He said, if you have a cloth and there's a hole in it, you don't take a new piece of cloth and put it on an old garment to patch it. If you do, as soon as you wash it, it'll shrink and you'll have a hole. He said, I don't put a new patch on an old garment. He said, I give you a completely new garment. You see, that's why he doesn't just patch up our old lives. He gives us new life in him. And then he said, if you don't take, uh, if you take wine and put it in wine skins, an old wine skin is leather. After a while, it loses its elasticity. And if you take new wine and pour it into an old wine skin, as it begins, the gases expand, it'll burst that old wine skin wide open. Jesus said, look, I came to give you new wine in a new wine skin. Now, I've got new, good news for you today. I don't know how you came into this place, but you can walk out of there a new person in Christ. He can shift you from sin to salvation, from the old creature to the new creature. He shifts my past. Now, secondly, he not only shifts my past, but he shares my present. He shares my present. Say that phrase with me. He shares my present. Now, say it again. He shares my present. 
You see, it's not what he did for me in the past. It's what he's doing for me this morning, today. What he's doing for me right now in sharing, he's my friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. I heard yesterday that song, Just a Closer Walk With Thee, Lord Let It Be. That's what he wants to do is walk with us every day. In fact, if you, the old gospel hymn, In the Garden, I want to confess to you, uh, Joe, I was 60 years old before I realized that was a, an Easter song. I thought it was just a gospel song, In the Garden. But when you read the course, it says, you remember it? And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his long. And the joy we share you're not going to experience it anywhere else. He walks with me. You know, that's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to be my friend. He's my daddy. He wants to take me by the hand. When you face something in life, you don't ever face it alone. You can look at Matthew 28, 20. Jesus said, I want you to teach disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you. Now, be sure of this. I am with you always even to the end of the age. He is with us. He's our friend. My brother's a great tennis player. He spent the last six weeks, eight weeks, down in Florida traveling from city to city, playing on the senior tennis tour. I love tennis. One of the greatest experiences I had in tennis occurred a few years ago. I received a phone call in Montgomery. And some people said, John Ed, we're having a charity event. We'd like for you to participate. I said, sure, and it's a good charity. I said, what are you going to do? He said, well, it involves tennis. I said, well, I'd be interested in that. He said, what we're doing is we have three professional tennis players coming to town, and we're going to have a doubles match, and we want you to be the fourth person, and we're going to sell tickets and raise a lot of money. I said, me, play with those guys? They said, look, hey, we've already picked out your partner. We've already assigned you to one of them. I said, who is that? He said, it's Rod Laver, <laughs> the greatest tennis player of all time, the only tennis player to win the Grand Slam in one year, and he did it twice. And I thought, me, play doubles with Rod Laver? Wow. I tell you what, I skipped a lot of church work for about two months just practicing <laughs> tennis every day. And then I'll never forget the night it came. They had a huge crowd of people, sold an awful lot of, uh, of tickets. And I remember walking out on the court and meet, I mean, just to meet him would be great for me, Rod Laver. If you watch the Australian Open about a month ago, it's played at where? The Rod Laver Complex in Australia. And I never forget, I walked out on the court, and I said, Mr. Laver. He said, call me Rod. I said, all right, then you call me John Ed. That'll be all right. I said, now, let me ask you, when you play, do you prefer to play the forehand or the backhand side to receive serve? He said, John Ed, come here. He said, you see this alley? You cover the alley, <laughs> and I'll take the rest of the court. <laughs> now, let me tell you, friends, that's my kind of partner. <laughs> When I play with my brother doubles, he covers the alley, and I have to cover the rest of it. Hey, you see, Jesus is a part. He just says, look, you, you take this little bit, and I'm going to take the rest of it. And I'll never forget, they flipped the coin, and we won the toss. And Rod Laver said to me, John Ed, you serve. 
I was scared to death. I said, wow. So I got back, and I was thinking about it. Here I am serving to play with Rod Laver, and these guys are professionals. And I said, um, I tell you what, I'm a minister, and this is a charity event. Why don't we have a prayer before we start? <laughs> and everybody in the stands and the two pros over there bowed their heads, closed their eyes. I served the ball. We were up 15 love <laughs> just as we began to start it. <laughs> but, but I want to tell you, Jesus is my partner. And you see, when we walk together, he said, John Ed, you just cover a little bit, and what a way to walk. When you get up in the morning, just say, Jesus, thank you for being with me, and let's walk along together. He shares my presence. You got the best friend in the world in Jesus. I remember when I was a kid, and I had to face something I was scared, and my daddy, if he was with me, I got courage. And when my daddy took me by the hand, I wasn't scared at all. Let me tell you, in life, there are a lot of things that scare us today. If you try to face it by yourself, you're going to get scared. But our daddy, God, is standing there, and when he takes your hand, you can face anything in life. He shares my presence. Now, let me mention the third thing. Not only does he share my presence, but he secures my future. He secures my future. Say that with me. He. Say it again. He. You see, he takes care of my past, my sin. In the present, he's my partner. And then for the future, he's going, everything's in charge. Look at Romans 8, 28. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose all things. Every day when you get up, just say, God, now today I know there's not going to be anything that's beyond the scope of how you're going to lead me. And all things are going to work together. Let me tell you what happens in life. Too often an event happens and I put a period. God says, don't put a period. Put a comma. I'm not through with it yet. When something happens, don't evaluate something by what you just saw, but evaluate it in the light of what Jesus is going to do in the future. And he'll secure your future completely, completely. And let me just remind us, our future is not just during this lifetime. Let me tell you what Easter is about. It's about when Jesus died and they stuck him in a tomb, and he didn't stay in the tomb. He just had a brief visit there. He didn't even get his full rental. I mean, he didn't stay there long. He was up and gone real quick. And Paul said, because Jesus rose from the dead, we too shall rise from the dead. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we have no hope of salvation and resurrection. And I want to announce to you today that he secured my future because not only he saved me, not only is he walking with me, not only is he every day in the future, and you don't know how much you have to live. I don't know how long I have. I'm 85, and I'm getting older. Let, let me just say to you, that if you ever see an 85-year-old man that says, I can do anything I could do when I was 65, <laughs> wasn't doing much at 65. 
and I got a birthday coming up soon. You know what I discovered? The candles are going to cost more than the cake. <laughs> so let me tell you, it doesn't matter how many days you've got, it's the future, and he's going to secure it. And someday, the Bible says it's appointed for every man wants to die. We will die. I do a lot of funerals. I had to leave later yesterday because I had a funeral. A marvelous, wonderful person. A godly person. You know, I've had a lot of funerals, and yesterday was a unique one. Never had this. The place was just packed, the funeral home. And they told me, they said, she was a great musician, and we're going to sing a couple of songs, and boy, people sang lustily. And they said, after you finish, just say, we're going to have a prayer. And at the end of the prayer, remain with your eyes closed and think about a great song that Sandra used to do and maybe just hum it. And you know what they had? They had a 14-voice black ensemble. Nobody had seen them. And they came in the back door singing Amazing Grace. And then they went and they sung My God is Able. And then they sang To God Be the Glory. And let me tell you, those folks stood up and shouted. I mean, it was a few, you talk about a celebration. Everybody knew where she was. You see, she had said, my last breath on earth, my next breath will be my first breath in heaven. Let me ask you, can you say that this morning? When you take your last breath on earth, will your next breath be in heaven? It can be. A lot of folks say, well, I'm sure it's automatic. Hey, it's not automatic. If you don't trust in Jesus, there's only one or two choices when you die. One's up and the other's down. One's heaven, the other's hell. And only Jesus, only Jesus can take us to the Father's house to live with him forever. Uh, my tax person called me a couple of years ago and scared me. She said, uh, John Ed, uh, I need to ask you a question. I said, sure, what? She said, what's your expiration date? <laughs> I said, wow, it, wait a minute, 82 years old. Uh, she said, oh, no, no, I'm not talking about your life. I'm talking about your driver's license. Well, let me tell you, when you talk about an expiration date, we all got one. It's going to happen. There's a little town outside of Montgomery called Wetumpka. It's about 16, 17 miles from Montgomery. And not long ago, a man had a heart attack in Wetumpka, and they secured him pretty well. They thought he was all right, but they wanted to get him to Montgomery to the hospital. The emergency units, all of them were off on other calls. They didn't have any way to transport him, and a funeral director was there said, uh, I've got a hearse. We can put him in the hearse and take him down to Montgomery. They said, fine. So they loaded him in the hearse. Now, in Montgomery, the hearses have a long window down the side of it. And as you leave Wetumpka, there's a red light, a major intersection, and they had to stop at the red light. Now, they didn't have lights on it. This was a hearse, not an ambulance on the hearse. And so when they stopped there, a car pulled up with about three ladies next door, and they were just looking at it. And the man on the gurney had the feeling that they were watching. He just turned his head over and winked at them. <laughs> can I give you some good news? You can wink at death because it has no hold over you. 
Oh, grave, where's your sting? Oh, grave, where's your victory? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. He secures my future. You ain't got to worry. When I say secure, we all are getting older and we like security, don't we? We've got savings and we've got insurance and we've got all these things. Hey, the security, the only security you'll have for all eternity is your faith in Jesus Christ and trust in him. But he is totally secure. A man one night was sitting down and uh, he was watching a ball game with his little boy. And the little boy got sleepy and went to sleep. And so the dad, just in a few minutes, got the little boy. They picked him up and he carried him upstairs to his room and put him in his bed. The next morning when the father woke up, he went up to wake up the boy. And he went up to his room and he told him, come on, get up, John, get up. And he looked around and he said, where am I? He said, well, you're in your room. He said, oh, oh, I just remembered being in the den watching the ball game. How'd I get up here? And the daddy said, I came and got you and brought you up to your room where you could sleep. And now you're up. Let me tell you, friends, one day, John Ed Matheson's going to go to sleep down here in the den. And I got a daddy, an Abba father. And he's going to come and pick me up and take me up. And he said, in my father's house, there are a lot of rooms. And John Ed, you got a room. And put me in my bed in my room. The promise of Jesus is that in, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Listen, in my father's house are many rooms. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare that place... I will come again and take you unto myself so that where I am, there you will be also. You know what heaven is? It's being with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I don't know a lot else about heaven, but that's where I want to be. And only God can do that. I conclude by asking you the question, are you sure that you've forgiven of your sins? Have you confessed? Have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? i got good news for you. You can do it right now, this morning. Do you see Jesus as your best friend? Do you sense his presence when you get up and when you face things and every day? And then let me ask you, when you look out there in the future, do you know that he's in charge of everything? If not, you can have that certainty. And when you die, and every one of us will, and we don't like to talk about that, but it's going to happen to every one of us. We never know when. Where will we spend eternity? We can spend it with Jesus if we trust in him. I'm going to have a prayer, and then I think we're going to have some music in a moment. And I'll invite you during that time to come and to pray. If the prayer warriors who are here, we pray with whatever. If it's a first-time commitment to Jesus, if it's just a recommitment of your life, if it's, Father, I want the security of who you are and surrender totally, then you just come and you can kneel and someone will come and pray with you. Father, thank you for Jesus. And God, what Jesus means to me, 
I just thank you. And nobody else, nobody else can shift my past. Nobody else can adequately share my presence. And nobody else can secure my future. And I thank you for that. And every person here can have that same assurance. Father, right now, may we have the opportunity of whatever you're dealing with us, may we make that decision. I pray in the awesome name of Jesus. I invite you to come. Any decision you've made you want to share, come and pray.